is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. All right, welcome back to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. This is Jimmy Scroggins, and today I have in studio my friend and member at Family Church, Katie Cole. Katie attends our West Campus of Family Church, but her day job is actually as a facilitator, as a consultant to church leaders around the country. Currently, Katie serves as director of the Multisite Hub with Leadership Network. Prior to that, she was the executive director of Multisite Ministries at Christ Fellowship Church here in Palm Beach County in South Florida. Prior to that, she was the dean of student development at Palm Beach Atlantic University. And prior to that, the director of advancement at Grace Church, an outstanding multi-site church in Akron, Ohio. So Katie, Welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm fired up that you're here. Can you tell us a little bit about your family before we get into the multi-site stuff? Tell us about your family and kind of how you got connected with Family Church. Sure. Well, I moved down here to Florida when I graduated from college just over 20 years ago. Met my husband uh, doing church ministry together. Yeah. So I was leading a singles ministry and he showed up and kept coming to all my events. It was the craziest <laughs> Smart thing. Smart guy. Yep. <laughs> so we've been married over 20 years. We have a son who's just turned 14. He's in the eighth grade, Ethan. And so we've lived down here. We have family all up north. We kept thinking we would move back north, but God just kept replanting us here. So yeah, we're excited. We feel called. We are passionate about just helping people find the Lord. And there's no place where there's a bigger harvest, I think, than South Florida right now. I could not agree more. And Katie, one of the things I love about you, just just as one of your pastors, I just wanted to say, you know, the way that you and your family, with all of the experience you have at these just super churches, big churches, and what you do traveling around, you and your family attend a, a congregation of about 300 that meets in a school. It's set up and tear down every week. And you guys plug right in. Your son's a drummer in the band, and you and your husband are serving in different ways. It's awesome to see just the, that that what you do during the week is actually real because you guys are like mm-hmm. real Christians. You're real church members at a hardworking church. Oh, yeah. we Church has been a part of my life since I was young, and for us, it's just kind of like what we do. And for us, really, um, a huge piece of deciding where we go to church and why is because we want to be a family that's really based in a good, godly community where we're known, where we know other people. And so we've been able to really find a great place, especially raising a teenage boy that's taken yeah. a little extra strategy on the parenting side. So we're really we're thrilled to be where God has us right now. Yeah, we're glad you're here. Okay, Katie, so let's jump into multi-site. We love talking about this. When we're not in front of microphones, let's do it so that our <laughs> listeners around the country and around the world can hear what you think about multi-site. So, Katie, as you travel, what is your overall assessment of the multi-site movement and kind of where it stands right now? 
Yeah, that's a great question. We're just finishing up about 20 years in multi-site, so we're going mm-hmm. into our third decade. I've really had the privilege of being a part of it for quite a while. So right. from, I wasn't on the early pioneers, but I was on the front side of it with the role that I had at my church at the time. And I think we're probably in the crest of the wave, to be honest. If you think okay. about innovation or new movements, there's always like the innovators, then there's early adopters, then there's sort of like the be- first set of followers, then there's kind of the mass folks, and then it starts to kind of become commonplace, and even the old crotchety people pretty soon will think it's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So I think we're about in the crest of the wave, and the reason I think that is because there are a lot of folks that are testing multi-site and doing it, but don't really know why. They're just kind of jumping on the bandwagon, which is why I think we're seeing some churches struggle with it. They're Mm -hmm. getting stuck. It's estimated about 70 to 75% of multi-site churches never get past a third campus because it requires... big paycheck to do that, or a big cost, I should say. And so it's hard to pay that fee to really get to the place where multi-site has an ROI. And so folks are getting frustrated. They have questions about it. That's a lot what I do is try to help churches get unstuck and lift their lid on moving forward with their vision. But many times there's a challenge to that. Mm -hmm. So Katie, as we think about that, uh, there are thousands of multi-site churches now. Some of our listeners, we know because they, they, they tell us are in medium-sized churches, maybe of several hundred, or maybe some of them approaching that thousand mark or just over, and they're really thinking about whether or not they should do multi-site. And yet, some of our listeners are thinking about getting into it, but Jim Tomberlin, who really wrote the only, you know, the book on multi-site ministry, uh, Jim Tomberlin, your friend and mine, says we are at the beginning of the end of the multi-site movement. Is that what you mean when you say we're at the crest of the wave? Well, I, I probably would phrase it differently. I think multi-site's going to be around for a long time. I think there's still a lot of really exciting things about it. It's, you know, a, another kind of church innovation was going to multiple services. And I think we would say that's kind of, you know, not yeah. the hot topic anymore, but everyone's still doing it. It's yeah, still got right. great multiplication. I think small groups are something that was a wave that everyone's still navigating. I think there's room for innovation there. So I don't think it's going away. I do think we probably have seen the crest of its mm-hmm. popularity. I guess I would say. I mean, last week, it was estimated that 5 million people attended church at a campus, not their main campus. So that's a lot of people doing a lot of of church. I love that. So I think it's exciting time. I think uh, what's great about being in the crest of the wave is we have a whole bunch of information. We have trailblazers. We have people who have kind of paid the stupid tax already. There's a lot of best <laughs> yeah, practices like out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I majored on the uh, so, stupid tax. Um, you know, the when you hit the crest of the wave, it makes it very viable for most people. Technology has become a lot less expensive. And so if people are looking at video venue options, it's much more affordable. It's been innovated. Even people who aren't church people are much more open to it. Right. So I think there, we're about to see the momentum really kick off because of who it can impact and how easy it is to multiply the option now. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, Katie, because, you know, at Family Church, we have, we do live preaching. So we have all of these different preachers and pastors. Well, a natural kind of progression of things is somebody's here as a, as a pastor of a campus, they're preaching every week. Well, a natural thing is other churches who are looking for a lead pastor come recruit those guys. And we bless that. That's part of, part of who we are in, in our you know, it's part of our spot in the kingdom. But but as they do that, we're actually finding very traditional First Baptist churches in small towns and, you know, very traditional churches, even in rural areas, coming to us and saying one of the reasons we want someone from family church is we want somebody who can relate to the traditional aspects of who we are, but we want to have an opportunity to go multi-site. So I'm fascinated by the fact that some of the most traditional and even rural places in the country 
are kind of saying, hey, multi-sites, the way to go. Now, one of the things that's fascinating to me is just this year, the last couple of years, it seems like some of my friends and yours who are pastors of some of the largest multi-site movements in America are actually saying they're going to walk away from multi-site. So guys like Matt Chandler out in Texas or, you know, the, the the group up in New York City, all of these churches are kind of saying, hey, we've been doing multi-site for a while. We're actually coming up with a plan to spin all of these churches off, let them all be independent. We're walking away. Why do you think they're doing that? Well, uh, there's a couple different reasons. Again, I mentioned sort of the return on the investment for multi-site is pretty significant, and it's one thing to build it. It's a total another animal to maintain it and manage it. (laughs) And so, you know, oftentimes it's the next best step, but it might not be the next best second step. So Uh that's an option. Also, we're really seeing the blending of multi-site and church planting come together. And so that's become a blurred line. And really, campusing is a wonderful, much more effective church planting strategy because you have the power of this bigger organization behind you. You have people involved. Mm -hmm. You've got leverage of leadership. You have resources that a church planter often doesn't have, not to mention like a base of people to get you going. And so that can really start to take off. And as a leader grows and gets to become a better leader, they have more capacity to lead more independently. So spinning off into church planting is a great option for some people. I would say most of the churches I see wrestling with that topic are stuck on do we do multi-site or do we do church planting as a people development person and HR kind of mindset. I think it has everything to do with the with the campus pastor. So is this pastor ready to lead independently? Is this someone who's better off connected to something bigger? And that just maximizes the leadership capacity of a leader. Yeah. And I think when you think about these uh, multi-site churches, as I get to speak offline with some of the leaders in these organizations, they're saying to me that it's just become too complicated and too complex. And they feel like they're spending all this sideways energy trying to navigate staffing and who gets enough platform time and then these other as soon as you give them enough platform time the next thing they want to do is leave and go be a senior pastor somewhere so it's it's just kind of a it's kind of a mess in terms of how we're going to sustain this over a long period of time and i've even heard pastors say they wish they would not have even gone multi-site or they've said maybe i wish we had some of these but some of these we've started i wish we could go back in time and and uh, redo that. Talk to me about that. Yeah, hindsight's always twenty twenty. The no campus doubt. you're like, this is you know a big big risk ends up being awesome, right. and the one you thought was the shoe in you know ends up being a struggle. Um, there's so many factors that come into play with multi-site and whether campuses are successful or not. And the, the churches that have multiple campuses, like maybe in the seven to fifteen range, mm-hmm. I think they're really starting to see how it. It has a variety of factors and not one little system that you multiply. It's not about us, what we're doing. It, it's partly what we're doing as church leaders, but it's also the context you're moving into. It's the base of people who are moving with you. It's the brand carry and how that connects with mm-hmm. a, a cultural context that you're going to. It's a lot about the campus pastor and the leadership chops they bring into the game and how they can grow with a congregation. So when you put all those factors together, it it is kind of a high risk 
risk option. However, uh, multiplication always is. And so what I <laughs> love point. about the church is that, yeah, people you know went multi-site and now they're wondering, just like we launched church plants and now we wonder if they're going to make it and some don't and some do and right. some come back and some go off and some leave ministry and some come, you know, you just never know because it's always kind of a crapshoot. Like it's yeah. it's risky business, but we still do it because that's what we're called to do. And, and I think experimenting and keeping the ball moving forward is the important thing that we don't hold back and try to live in safety and security or stop innovating. Part of it is those lessons go on to help other churches do it better themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's all a kingdom win. Well, I think I think part of it too, Katie. If you if you go look at, look at the New Testament and you say, well, because people always ask me, well, if we start this, what are you going to do if this pastor goes rogue and tries to take this congregation away, or what are you going to do if if you really look at the New Testament, just read the letters of Paul. Uh, almost every one of Paul's congregation was going rogue in some way, right? So the Absolutely. Galatians are walking away from the gospel, and the Corinthians are denying his apostleship, and he's having to write these letters and constantly corrupt. So, so acting as if we're going to somehow live a charmed life, and we're better leaders or more spiritually powerful than the apostle Paul, I think if we read the New Testament, we just have to understand what you just said is so right. There is just a risk inherent in multiplying in church planning and in pushing out towards the frontiers of where the gospel needs to go in our communities and in the world. And then the second thing is, you know, Jesus said, the Spirit's going to blow where he wills. And you see him, you see the effects of it, but you can't always define it. And that's why this is, an, in my opinion, it's some science, but it's a lot of art and then a lot of just like Holy Spirit mystery. Because you and I both know people in the ministry that are super talented, sincere, and they just can never actually catch traction. And then you got some guy that, to be totally honest with you, you don't respect him that much as a Christian. You don't even think they're that good of a speaker. But for whatever reason, God's hand is on him. It's unbelievable. And you can't do anything but step back and go, praise God. He knows what he's doing You know, better than, better than we do. Now, some of these churches, they're having these conversations. And our listeners have this conversation because they ask us all the time, why do you at Family Church do live preaching instead of video? And we talk about this a lot. You talk to people multi-site who are doing some of each. Do you think one or the other is becoming more and more prevalent? Do you think one or the other is more effective? I just love to hear your thoughts on video versus live. And I won't be insulted. Even if you say, (laughs) I think you should be doing video, I won't be insulted. Yeah, I think so much of this has to do with the culture of the church and Mm -hmm. especially the personality and giftedness of the senior pastor and kind of the mission of how they look at their leadership development, quite honestly. It's not even an evangelistic strategy necessary because both are extremely effective. But I think what we've seen over time is video was a quick grab on to successful, fast-growing churches that obviously had a great charismatic preacher. Mm -hmm. It was a main draw to their church. There's a lot of great churches, however, that that's not the biggest draw to their church. So putting that guy on video isn't necessarily the best strategy (laughs) because that's not actually what should be the most multiplied. I think the trend that I see for the most part is definitely a shift away from video. It might not be to 100% live teaching all the time, but at least a blend. And part of that is getting the best of both worlds because there is a challenge in multi-site where you have to hear from your lead pastor. Mm-hmm. If campuses don't know who that person is or don't have some sort of connection, it is really hard to follow the bigger church-wide initiatives or campaigns or vision movements, which is why we're all together, right? Because right. we can That's do more point. together than separate. So it's not so much that you would have a rogue leader, although I think any leader with half 
you know, a leadership chop is going to go rogue at some point. That's what they do. That's what you know, makes the you only a leader, people who stay it? aligned are the people who don't really lead well. <laughs> but the the congregations need to be able to stay connected. So that blend helps. I think churches are running into a succession challenge because many churches have built themselves on a big personality and a big preaching pastor. And when you go multi-site, it only increases the complexity when you look at right. succession planning. So mixing it up, being able to have a teaching team is a huge piece that's being leveraged now. And often they'll use their campus pastors, even if they're preaching from maybe the founding campus or the broadcast mm-hmm. campus, being able to get multiple faces in front of the congregation so that there is a almost a bigger bent for senior leadership so that when there's a change or if a tragic change happens, it's not as catastrophic because that's when multi-site really can kind of come back to be a challenge is if there is a leadership shift or a leadership negative experience as we've seen, those campuses feel very disconnected and independent. And right. so that's uh, that's a challenge. Also, I think now that we're 15 years into it, those churches that have been strictly video are finding a real challenge keeping great pastoral talent because that almost always comes with a teaching gift. That might not always be that way. I think people who went into ministry and have been around for 10 or 15 or 20 years went in with the hopes of preaching. That's kind of like all that pastors did, yeah, you're right? right? You're right. <laughs> and so that those were blended. It was pastoral teach or was biblical teaching plus leadership was kind of that pastor route. And so now that we have campus pastors, that is shifting. So people are feeling called into ministry and feel like it's an option for them, even if they aren't the best Bible teacher. Bivocational, I think, definitely is supported more by video. But the leadership development happens when you start to lose your people, as you're saying, people get, they start wanting to like grow and steward their teaching gift. And sure. if they don't have a platform for that, it's also really hard to, to lead a large campus if you never get to lead them spiritually in a way that's multiplied easily. So there's one-on-one, there's counseling, there's hospital visits, there's small group, there's leadership training, there's all these opportunities. But you know this, nothing replaces getting up in front of the entire congregation and bringing a message from the that's Lord right. that hits the, the people. And so being able to leverage that for campus pastors, I think is going to become a really, it's a growing trend. I think it's going to become a staple even for video campuses throughout the, even if it's only four times a year, there's going to be a platform for most campus pastors for that. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more because, you know, one of the things that that we say around here to our team is we say, look, you, you really do preach to lead and the, the preaching platform gives you an opportunity not just to speak leadership into the congregation, which it does, but you are seen as the leader. And so if you're never on that platform, no matter how many times you say, yeah, but I'm in charge of the whole campus, the people in the pew say, yeah, but the guy doing the talking, now that's actually the person who's leading. And so I think it, it makes it it makes it makes difficult. But the other part that you mentioned, I just want to underline, and this is so crucial for our listeners because some of you guys are thinking about uh, launching a new campus and you can't figure out should you go video or whatever. Look, um, if you don't put the guy up there and let him preach, he's probably not going to stay very long. And that's why in most large multi-site churches, and Katie, you may chime in on this, what I see is a revolving door of campus pastors. I mean, it's 18 to 24 months. They're having to get a different campus pastor. Now, granted, if you're a a one-teacher video venue model, it doesn't matter that much because those people can be replaced, you know, parts as parts. But if you have somebody who's actually connecting, because we we have a church here in our city where they replaced a non-teaching campus pastor who is super connected and boy, it really made a big difference. And so I think that's something that everybody needs to consider. Yeah, I think, too, pastoring is 
highly relational, mm-hmm. right? To pastor a person is to be like a spiritual parent. And so when you get to, for 30 minutes or 40 minutes every week, kind of share your heart with someone, they're building a relationship with you. And, you know, re- that relational trust and connection is the biggest indicator of discipleship. It's the big- biggest indicator of parenting well. It's the mm-hmm. biggest indicator of a counseling relationship. It's the biggest indicator of a leadership relationship is the connection and the relationship. And so if you want discipleship output, you have to leverage that relationship. So if your weekend service is a big funnel where people are coming in who have maybe never really met a disciple before, they're going to build their first spiritual relationship. Their first spiritual parent is going to be someone. We maximize that when they can actually shake their hand at the end of the service or that person knows their name or they send them a birthday card or whatever it is that leverages that leadership. And so part of that is what's the focus of your church mm-hmm. and knowing how to how to leverage the strategy of multi-site to maximize your vision. All right. So as we kind of get to the end of this conversation today, let me ask you, this is really important because a lot of our listeners, again, are in small churches, medium-sized churches, or small, large churches. What are some factors that small or medium-sized churches should consider before they get into multi-site? Because a lot of the conversations around multi-site are, are about huge churches, thousands and thousands and thousands. But what about that medium-sized church who's thinking about getting involved? What are some things they should be thinking about? Most of the churches I see that are doing the most with multi-site right now are small and medium churches. Most right. church plants are planting with a strategy to be multi-site yeah. very quickly. And that it, it's easiest then, right? It's okay. like young, nimble, a little green. Nobody's mad. No one cares. You know, high Nobody risk, has high any reward. Money. Exactly. It's like being yeah. newly married and having lots of kids versus, yeah. you know, wait until <laughs> your 40s. It's a little more challenging at this age. Yeah. So I think that it's very encouraging. And that's probably where the most innovation is. It's where right. the most rapid growth is happening. So I would really encourage people to think about it. For me, looking at the why behind it is the most important thing. So why is it that going multi-site is more beneficial than staying a single site? A single site, you have cost returns, you have a lot of team camaraderie, you have great sense of community, leadership is much easier, controlling DNA and culture is much easier. So if you aren't even able to have multiple services, you should not be having multiple campuses. So practice with multiple services. It shows your growth engines are working. It shows that you know how to develop leaders. It shows that you know how to multiply. You can steward a congregation in two service times. Mm -hmm. When you you steward a congregation in two geographical locations, it's that times like a thousand. So practice all of those things and make sure you have enough momentum that going multi-site makes sense. A couple other leading indicators would be making sure you have some people that love you enough and love the experience of being a part of your church enough that they're driving kind of out of the way to get to you. That's a great indicator that if you go to them, there's a lot more people like them uh, mm-hmm. willing to be be there. And then I think trying to make sure that your leadership pipeline is in place so that if it works, I think I see people experiment with multi-site and then it works and they aren't ready for it. So if you're, if you're really thinking God is calling you to this, then expect him to be in it yeah. and be ready. So have a couple benches ready so that you can really proliferate and you can support what you've created. Yeah. All right. And I love that so much. I think the idea that multi-site really is an extension of the multiple services concept. And even when we have started the multi-site here, that's the way we have always explained it. So people say, why are we going multi-site and what is this? And we said, well, you know how we have a a nine o'clock service and an 11 o'clock service? Okay. We're just adding another service. Except instead of having it here in this room, 
We're having it over in the auditorium at Eastern High School. So it's the same thing. Well, who are the deacons? Same deacons. Who's got, who control, you know, where's the money go? Same place to go. The money at the nine o'clock service goes to the same place as the 10, 11 o'clock service. We got the same leadership team. We got the same program. We're adding another service. We're putting it in another place. Katie, what you have shared today is so fantastic. You are a font of just great information and your instincts about leadership are just so tremendous. And we are grateful at Family Church to have you as a member at Family Church. I know everyone listening is like, how do you get members like that? I don't know. It's God. We're glad. But Katie, thanks for sharing with us. So we're going to wrap up this episode. But look, if you enjoyed this today, Katie and I are going to continue this conversation. Next week, we're going to be talking about multi-site tensions because those are real. And you definitely want to tune in to hear the rest of our conversation next week. So thank you for listening to Church for the Rest of Us. We look forward to getting your feedback at FamilyChurchNetwork.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.